I'm Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell. And you are listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. Today on Pop It, we're on site at the AC Hotel with Talene Avakian and nutritionist Dana Harrison, both of whom have amassed an impressive Instagram following based on their personal lifestyle brands. So I wanted to hear a little bit about both of your professional lives, if you can introduce yourselves. Hey everybody, I'm Dana. I am a nutritionist and educator here in Central Mass and Greater Boston. And my nutrition niche is designing nutrition education uh, programs for first responders, specifically fire departments. Hey everybody, I'm Talina Rockin. I am originally from Central Mass and I go back and forth between New York City and here a lot. Um, I am a lifestyle blogger, a maker, and a coffee and beer enthusiast. I um, love to kind of talk about slowing down the cozy lifestyle and um, I just like to connect with makers all around the world as well as different places where you can kind of just wind down and take it easy. I guess my introduction to both of you is on the internet, which yeah. is always strange. And the <laughs> same is true of Unity Mike, who's in the room taking our photos today. But we found each other all on the internet, I even know. though we're from yeah. the same region and probably, <laughs> you know, spent so much time within prox- close proximity. Absolutely. Why did you turn to Instagram as your platform? When I first started to grow my business, I turned to Instagram because I wanted to reach a broader audience. So it started with to reach a broader fire audience. And then it really changed into just reaching people who really connected with my simplified approach to nutrition. And from there, I realized Instagram is a storytelling uh, platform. It's really not just about a picture. I think the picture draws people in and then you can connect with them. And so I really thrived on that connection and wanted to continue it. And now it's really become you know, part of my business, connecting with my followers and working also with recipe development and nutrition consulting on my page. So it's become something so much bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Instagram is amazing. I've I've been on Instagram for a while now, and it kind of started as a personal just outlet for me. Um, I actually have a photography and filmmaking background, so I'm just always naturally taking photos and just storytelling as we just mentioned so I was just posting and then I started to realize that I I really kind of found what my passions were through posting and telling my own story on Instagram and I gradually over the years started to knit I started to drink more coffee and a lot of people were like wow I'm seeing a lot of this and that on your feed and that kind of just kind of helped me find myself as a as a as an artist as a creative as a maker Uh, as a coffee drinker, Um, I guess just as a local, somebody who supports local businesses, somebody who supports people that are independent and trying to make it out in the world with whatever it is that they're passionate about. And yeah, it's definitely evolved over time. And and in the process, I've really gotten to meet some incredible people and, and make some really great bonds with people all over the country and all over the world. It's great. It's interesting because you mentioned that you had like started on Instagram and then sort of in your real life became focused on like the beer drinking and coffee and making. Um, and then it sort of like circled back around onto that. It's like it it helps you sort of like center your brand and like what did you want to do to connect with people almost? Yeah, I yeah. was always asking myself 
who's engaging with me and why? Yeah. And mm-hmm. what is it that they respond to? And I know oh, sometimes this conflict of, am I doing this for me or am I doing this for followers? Like yeah. that, that was always coming up. And I think it was definitely a mixture of both always for me. I like mm-hmm. to try to stay authentic in everything I do. Um, but I did notice, hey, my followers are really engaging with this. So let me try to focus on this type of content. And yeah, it kind of continued to evolve with that. I think that brings up a great question of authenticity. Dana, I know that you are constantly recommending products that you really believe in. Mm-hmm. And Talene, I know you are constantly going to different coffee shops and yeah. people then take that as your word that it's a credible spot. Yeah. How do you decide what's authentic and what really fits in with your brand? And do you ever get approached people asking you to do certain favors or asking for their products to be featured? Yeah, so authenticity for me is so big. And when I first started the my page, I thought I never knew what it would turn into. But I always said to myself, I have to be the same person that I am in person as I am behind a screen. And that was really important to me. I even told friends and family, if I'm not, like, get that phone out of my hand and, like, give me a real talk right now um, if that ever happens. So for me, it was just always really important. I say that I'm a consumer first and a nutritionist and educator second. So because I do that in normal life and really take the time to understand what a product is and the people behind making the product as well, for me, it was just really important to keep that integrity as well on my page. And I think because of it and because I'm just very transparent, uh, I think people trust that and I value that as well, for sure. Yeah, that's that's huge for me, too. Um, I... Over the years, since I've been on Instagram for so long, I've definitely had phases where I've stopped or I've been posting a lot more than I have. And that, I think, has been a reflection of my own. It's usually my own personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I remember it came up a lot in my uh, my own relationship, actually, now marriage, um, where everything, like, I had to capture everything. And it, like, became almost... Like I lost some of my authenticity because it just mm-hmm. became about posting and capturing every moment or cup of coffee I was drinking. And he was really, my husband was really good at holding me accountable and just saying like, what? Like you're talking about slowing down and enjoying these moments and savoring what you're doing. And it doesn't seem like you're doing that. So whenever I found myself at that point, I would just stop and I would just really try to evaluate what I was doing and why I was doing it um and yeah so I I definitely as I've grown too I've just if it's not authentic I don't post as much as I used to Mm -hmm. if it doesn't feel right I'm not gonna post I think part of authenticity is like being present Mm -hmm. too right yeah and I've had I have found that like even on my like I don't have a following or anything but even on my Instagram like I'll go through and I'll post like so much for a week and then it'll be like two weeks and I just won't post Mm -hmm. anything because I don't have anything really like you know super exciting or interesting or that I feel like people need to see because I'm just like living my life and so it's sometimes my favorite days afterwards I go oh did I take any pictures that was such a great day and I look back and I didn't and you know that's like the mark of a good day too Yeah. yeah I think another point is to create boundaries for yourself as well. And that for me was really important. As someone who was never really on their phone much before having this platform, I had to put boundaries on myself saying, okay, do I feel comfortable being on an hour a day and maybe taking weekends off and just putting that out there to my audience right from the start? Like this, these are my boundaries. Hope you accept them. 
Mm-hmm. Please do, kind of thing. Especially as someone who people engage with a lot, right? Like, mm-hmm. I am. Um, I follow this writer, Sarah Benincasa, and she's like a comedian too. And she, she really, she gets very personal on her Instagram and on a lot of her platforms. But she also has said, like, you know, she'll say, you know, sometimes I don't mind comments and certain messages, but sometimes people send me messages that I'm just like, I don't actually know you, you know, mm-hmm. that get a little bit too close. And so she would say, hey guys, like. These are, this is kind of what I feel comfortable with, but like, we're not that familiar. I have boundaries. Yeah. And it's and funny important. you mentioned your relationship. We were looking at your Instagram this morning and Molly goes, oh my gosh, she went to the Seinfeld restaurant or whatever. And I said, I oh, seen it before, I yeah. that's her husband. I was right? like, I it's that's... monks. But how often does he appear in your posts? I actually want to start incorporating him more because he's part of my story every day and um we got married last year a little over a year ago now so i'm living with him and he's part of my daily story um he used to kind of be against being on on camera not against it but just like oh i don't want to take photos the mystery man yeah he was the mystery man. we gave my fiance a a pseudonym for this podcast because the poor guy we were talking about him all the time (laughs) (laughs) that's funny yeah I wanted to ask you uh, in regards to weddings, Dina, I know we had talked about this like sweating for the wedding culture and as a nutritionist, how you might view that in a life of moderation. Yeah, I'm always, I have this philosophy of just finding what works for you and just continuing to do that and really working on that. So for something like a shedding for the wedding or anything that just has a lot of restrictions, it really comes down to that being a quick fix. If you cannot do that for basically the rest of your life for a long time, um, you're going to see adverse effects coming back, whether it's you gaining more weight and really not being able to keep it off that time also just a quick fix and something that's so restrictive it's so challenging um, mentally as well and I think that's something that I work on as a nutritionist to really show that you can have balance but you have to define what balance is for you as well I we were talking about this last night actually a little bit just like you know our eating habits or and stuff like that because I was saying I generally try to eat like pretty healthy meal wise but like I like to eat some junk food like Mm -hmm. I love like some Doritos or you know and it's not like I just like that's all I eat what is the Marie Kondo like it sparks joy right (laughs) so it's hard I think not to feel bad like you eat something and then you're like oh because that's the culture though that's like a societal that's a societal thing and so it's like it's doing what and feels good and I think like telling you focus on that too a lot right where it's like you enjoy drinking coffee and you but enjoy drinking how much beer. coffee do you drink <laughs> oh, <man>. uh, <laughs> moderation is hard yes. it is especially with coffee I've actually been cutting down lately um I it's and especially in the city it's so easy I usually make I usually have two in the morning. I brew my own pot in the morning. Mm-hmm. I have one, then I usually need to have another one. <laughs> then I get to work and I usually make more. And then usually the late after, New York work days are longer than, to, than normal. I learned very quickly when I moved there. So by three, four o'clock, I still have a few more hours and that's when I usually get a lot of it. <laughs> 
I also think, though, in the nutrition world and health and wellness on Instagram, and actually in general on Instagram, mm-hmm. we look at these pictures and they're like these picture perfect pictures. And mm-hmm. we think, okay, well, then this person's exercising constantly and is eating this way. And so, something that I really try to promote and preach is just that you've got to do what works for you and know that you shouldn't get caught in that comparison trap mm-hmm. of focusing on someone else's picture when you should just stay in your own lane and find what works for you yeah that's huge and just making nutrition attainable for every person because it doesn't have to be have this adaptogen have this awesome smoothie with all these greens every day all day so what are your favorite instagram accounts oh god to follow wow tough (laughs) yeah that's very hard um i have a mixture because I'm a little bit, <laughs> I'm a little bit all over the board. Um, I have a mixture of style bloggers that I've always followed and typically I do, I've always loved fashion. Um, but I like following bloggers that feel authentic. Again, yeah. as we were talking about, Same. I've been following Christina Caradonna. Her blog is called Tro Rouge. Um, I've been following her for years and there's just something I've always been, I've always gravitated towards her as a person and as a blogger, her style. I just love how she's, how she carries herself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also very involved with the maker community. Um, so there's this community called Our Maker Life mm-hmm. and it is a community of makers um, that share patterns, talk about what they're making and just the maker life in general. And it's amazing. We all actually just started off getting to know each other on Instagram as we were talking about before and it just grew into this huge thing and now we meet up once a year in different cities across the U.S. Where are you going this year? This year it's in Calgary which is in Alberta. Alberta. Yeah yeah Yeah. people vote on it every year it's gotten pretty it's gotten (laughs) huge yeah right up into Canada that's very cool yeah how about you Dana what Instagram accounts do you find inspiration from or do you just enjoy following? Um, gosh, I, so the first thing about that is I try not to follow too many people on purpose because then I get consumed with it myself and I can't keep up with those limits and boundaries. Um, but it's constantly changing, whether it's a health and wellness blogger, um, or even my own personal business coach. Um, there are some people locally who have met up with one of my close friends, um, so dope, or I've always followed Shut the Kill Up and Holly's Keeping It Real, just people Mm -hmm. who... Yeah, like their handle who keep it real and just really are the same in person. It's nice because I've met some of them and they really are awesome too. So Yeah. One thing I'm really loving right now that I've been seeing on Instagram is the female empowerment movement. Mm. And that's kind of lately, very recently, who I've been following. If I see a girl who's just killing it and confident and putting herself out there and not caring, <laughs> like I'm just like, yeah, like mm. that's I just admire it and I'm, I just want to affirm her and yeah I love. you know who's really good with that who I'm a big fan of is Danica Breisha mm-hmm. um, she just has an amazing account it's nice to see her doing that too and I don't know it's just amazing to connect with people like they're sharing your story their stories and you connect with their stories right. as well yeah. so you're in the same boat with who you kind of surround yourself with as well recently um, Jamila Jamil she's she's placed Tahani on the good place um she started this it i think started on instagram it's called i way 
and it's just it's all submission based and it's just people sending in like any photo of themselves it's mostly women but it's open to anyone um just any photo of themselves were like that they want to show or that they feel comfortable with and then they just overlay like i weigh like what their real worth is and so they'll say like single mom or you know passionate about fruit or anxiety or theater or whatever like they just it's just all of these different aspects that make up who they are mm-hmm. um and turning that into like what their worth is rather than like what their body or what says to people on the outside you know um and i think that that's really cool and that is part of that like it's it's she has her own personal and then like that's something that she's sort of an offshoot of her brand which is just like making women and anyone feel comfortable with themselves on instagram and that's what the Pop It podcast is all about. And Mass Beauties has helped us to talk about professional culture for women mm-hmm. and how they fell into the positions that they're in. Mm-hmm. We also talk about local culture. So when we come back, we're going to ask you for some recommendations regarding coffee shops and also what sort of products we should be purchasing. And then we like to talk about pop culture. So yeah. we'll end the show with that. We'll be right back. Mass Foodies curates exclusive events and publishes thought-provoking content for the food-centric person. When asking yourself where to eat tonight, turn to massfoodies.com to see what's happening in the Massachusetts food scene. That's massfoodies.com. I'm Sarah Connell. I'm Molly O'Connor. And you're listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. We're here with Talene of the Half Full Mug and Dana from Eats to Know, right? And it's to the number? Yes. Yes. And they're both Instagram influencers with lots of nutrition tips for us. We wanted to hear about food photography. What are your best tips? Daylight. Lighting. (laughs) Yeah, all about daylight. Um, I mean, it depends on the style you're shooting, but for food photography, daylight composition just keeping in mind what is in your shot and why and then where you are shadows um what else you can bring out the colors for sure in the food yeah shadows cause such a problem for me anytime i'm gonna photograph anything on a table i'm like i know a lot of people love those flat lays so then you Mm -hmm. you realize oh shoot my hands in it yes exactly so you have to have the right you have to adjust the light um yeah Just, I always kind of, when I go anywhere, I look for, like, the best area or place to shoot. Yeah. Well, and telling you take a lot of photos of coffee and iced coffee. And I think what you said about, like, natural light with the, like, tans and browns there, especially with, like, whatever color mug you have, that's what makes it look really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. If it's not the right setup, I I won't shoot it or I won't Mm -hmm. post it. Yeah. And what's really cool is once you find your style, Mm -hmm. then people know you for your style. So once you find what works, just keep on doing it kind of thing. Yeah. Consistency is is key, actually. And Dana, I get a lot of shopping tips from your Instagram because you'll photograph your shopping cart, especially a Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or wherever you're shopping. What are your favorite markets to shop at? And what are some of your top products like this week that you cooked with? 
Ooh, so I find that I do a lot of budget planning on my page as well, and I find that I have to shop at two stores to kind of stay within my budget and get everything that I want. So for me right now, Whole Foods and Trader Joe's are working really well because they're close yeah. to each other. Um, and actually, they don't usually post sales, as many sales as they used to. So when I go shopping, I just post them so that people can know what's new every week. Um, I've been loving the what's new section at Trader Joe's where they tell you they have like a, a separate section of all the new products. Um, sunflower buttercups. I don't know Ooh, if you've tried them. Nice. But they're no. phenomenal. Um, so I've been loving those. Um, for a local market, I've been loving Stillman Quality Meats yes. over on Harding oh Street. Oh my gosh, huge fan. Oh my <laughs> word, I'm there every Friday. They have Red's Best uh, fish that you can put Ooh. in for a fish share and pick up something that was caught that morning. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it's I, it's amazing. I've also gone on my page and really expressed the importance of just supporting local businesses mm -hmm. and understanding that even if it is a little bit more, you know, pricey compared to the grocery store, just know that your dollar really does count there. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really important to me. So it's nice to see them coming in other local shops for sure. And where should we be going for our copy, especially when we're in West? Yes, I definitely have a recommendation or a few. Definitely Acoustic Java if you want the best quality. Um, my friend Dave owns it um, and he supplies a lot of the coffee in the area around New England. Um, he supplies the coffee for Birch Tree Bread Company, which is another one of my favorite spots. But yeah, just if you want good quality, he has a roastery. The beans are right there. You can smell it when you walk through the door. And just the culture of the place is just is great and evident when you walk through the door. Um, he's a local business. I love supporting him, and he's just been really nice to me over the years. And and my my hubby actually, my mm -hmm. hubby got to know him, and my hubby's gotten into um, making lattes, which works out quite well. well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Dave actually's helped him out and given him some pointers. So yeah, he's just a great person, and the coffee quality is just great. I imagine in New York City too, it's so easy. You uh -huh. walk outside of like your building or whatever, yeah. right? And it's just like, it, everything is can be local there, Absolutely. which is nice. I love that about New York. Yeah. There's just so many, it's overwhelming for sure, yeah. but it's just, I love that I can walk out anywhere oh. and find right. good coffee. Yeah. So I do have a few like, would you rathers and questions Ooh. for you. Let's see, this first one says, would you rather have your account hacked and lose all of your followers? I know, Dana, you've got like 25,000 followers. I don't know how you keep track of them. And you're like, you have almost 10,000 followers. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, but they're is. all gone. You wake up and they're all gone. Yeah. Or would you rather have a multi-level marketing scheme impersonate you for two weeks and people think it's you, but it's not really you? Oh my gosh. Yeah, like so essential like essential oil. I was about to say. <laughs> That's hard. Well, <laughs> if you have an email list, then it's okay if you lose your account because you can still talk to your people. Whoa. So, do you have like a newsletter? I do. And you have to think like, what if Instagram ends tomorrow and you really want to still connect with your people? Ah, that's good. That's uh -huh. very smart. Right? Yeah. Um, so, I'm going to say the second one. I, I mean, I would rather lose my following because I don't want anyone else impersonating me I feel like that would be too much for me if that's yeah it. yeah I think I, I agree I would go with the first <laughs> yeah yeah definitely right because then you come back and it's people be skeptical right yeah, yeah. and like so I also confused. as much as I love Instagram I always say like if it were to end 
get back up and do something yeah. else. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. So, how long have both of your accounts been around? I want to say since 2013. Mine was three three years. We're coming up on three years or so. Nice. Yeah. Talene, I remember I followed you already, and then you came into Armsby Abbey, and I was your really? server. And I was like, oh my God, you guys. And I was like, tell you everyone, I was like, she's from that account. Oh my <laughs> gosh. That's amazing. I love Armsby Abbey. <laughs> you were with um, Jim from the Jim blog. So I follow him now, too, because the two of you were taking pictures That's out on the so patio. Funny. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm waiting oh on my stars. Gosh. I remember that day. I remember that day. Oh my gosh. I love. That's another. I, I I got really into craft beer. Yeah. So I love Armsby Abbey, Dive Bar, Treehouse. Yes. Yes. You're in good company. <laughs> you guys should check out Redemption Rock. It yes. opens today. Oh, Female CEO. Yeah. 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 Would you rather live here in the AC Hotel or live in a luxurious houseboat on Lake Quinsigamond? Wow. Oh my. <laughs> it would be luxurious. Wow. I would, I would live here. Yeah, I'm gonna go it's in the middle of the too. city. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking, um, Talene, you talked about spaces where you can like be cozy and slow down, mm -hmm. and just like I feel like the morning we've had here, um, Sarah and I had some breakfast, and it was just like, and the surroundings are very. Oh, it's the word I'm looking for. Just like calm, aesthetically of, pleasing. Yes, it's a lot of like nice grays, <laughs> textures. textures, and the music was very nice, and like I felt like, and there's a fireplace, and yeah. I was like, I could live here yeah it was it's like it's very nice it is like a little Relaxing. escape a little vacation or yeah. something yeah i felt like that when i walked through the door mm -hmm. i also i think i'd pick the ac hotel yeah although humans are know. biologically drawn to water you know we yeah. love open water yeah. so yeah maybe because it's lake classic like, yeah. <laughs> if east side mario's was still open and i could like hop up onto the little a little yeah. dock and like walk into Eastside Mario's like as if it was 1997. Well, hot tip. <laughs> the building has been purchased by a restaurant group, the Eastside Mario's building. Oh. I am trying to request all the liquor licenses from the town of Shrewsbury to get the scoop, but yeah. I want something awesome to go in there. Yes. Did you FOIA it? No, but I will. <laughs> no. We've been talking a lot about when you can request somebody's emails and like what an invasion of privacy it's that was. So be. weird. It happened to a friend of ours who works in government and he was like, It's it's like all my emails are appropriate and professional, but it's still strange to think about someone reading through every word, you know? Yeah. 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 But no, so I'll I'll go through proper channels. I can help you. Thank you. <laughs> Would you rather overplan for an event that never happens or underplan for an event that thousands of people show up to? <gasps> Overplanning always. But it doesn't happen. <laughs> but then you can just do it again when it will happen. This is a fantasy, guys. Oh, yeah, so you're so it much happen. more practical than me. I'm like, bring on the people. Yeah, I'll take them. Yeah, oh, I mean... But then fire festival, you know, would be like, yeah, yeah. 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 it show up and be disappointed. Yeah. Or recently, oh there's this, um, there's an Instagram influencer, Caroline Calloway. She has all these followers. I don't even know how she got half of them, but she was gonna put on these seminars, and it was like $165. I've definitely done both. <laughs> Overplanned <laughs> for an event that doesn't happen, yeah. and then underplanned and been like, ah, when it's happening. Yeah, it's not fun, but you know, you kind of learn every mm -hmm. time. My only other question is, who would play you in a movie if you could pick? I love that question. Oh. <laughs>
I have no idea. I've asked people that to try and answer it for <laughs> right? me. Yeah. I've never. If somebody asked me, I did a job interview, it was probably 10 years ago, and they asked me that question. I was like, oh, that is a good one. I was like, know, Kirsten you, Dunst I was at gonna the say, time. I was going to say, know, Kirsten now. Dunst, that would be perfect for oh, you. Thank you. She's kind of yeah. quirky, you know? I think that <laughs> I would choose Anne Hathaway. All right. <laughs> Well, growing up too, like when she was like in the, when the Princess Diaries yes. came out, and I was in middle school, my family was always like, "Molly, you're just like her," and I would be like, "Okay, <laughs> you're cool. really leaning into." Well, it. and then like she she won the Oscar and all this stuff, and people were like, "She's so obnoxious," and I was like, "No, you guys, she's you don't understand. She's just like a theater kid. Like mm-hmm. she's just really, really like earnest and crazy. Like she is very appreciative of what's happening, and it comes off as like." really kooky and obnoxious <laughs> like I get it yeah I'm not a theater kid but I understand theater kids <laughs> she just has this like mentality that like unless you've been around it a lot yeah. people are like oh I can't stand her and I'm like well yeah <laughs> I get it but <laughs> Molly and I are teachers and she always will like pinpoint the girls where she's like that's gonna be a theater girl someday and <laughs> oh you can she's tell. gonna find her her stride yeah some kids need it like Sometimes you can tell that, like, they need that outlet. And you're like, this is it. Absolutely. I don't know. Do you have any picks? Yeah. I don't have any. Maybe, like. Whoever it is has to just nail it. Yeah. (laughs) Better do the job. Yeah. Otherwise, it it should just be us. Yeah. It's hard to think of yourself that way, too. Like, you want to think of someone who, like, resembles you, I guess. But then on the other hand, it's like, I don't know. Like, I would love for, like, Danny McBride to play me. Like, what would his interpretation (laughs) be? Would it be, like. Eastbound and down, but me. I don't know. So, I don't know. You never know. I mean, maybe Zoe Isabella Kravitz because she's yes. awesome Ooh, and beautiful. Yes. <laughs> I can see that. I think she could capture the vibe. Mm-hmm. The Very chill, chill vibe. vibe. Yeah. I'm cool with that. <laughs> Big Little Lies. She was always trying to slow down and keep it, yeah, keep it relaxed. Well, when we come back, we'll do a little pop culture recap for the week. Sign off. Mass Foodies curates exclusive events and publishes thought-provoking content for the food-centric person. When asking yourself where to eat tonight, turn to massfoodies.com to see what's happening in the Massachusetts food scene. That's massfoodies.com. I'm Sarah Connell. I'm Molly O'Connor. And you are listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. Today on Pop It, we had a chance to chat with maker Talene Avakian and nutritionist Dana Harrison, both of whom have amassed an impressive Instagram following based on their personal lifestyle brands. And we're here at the AC Hotel, and I feel like it has elevated my lifestyle brand quite a bit. Absolutely. Like within two hours. I know. We just did a pause to go take some photos by the fireplace with Unity Mike. And just looking around, Talene especially said, I used to live in Worcester. I grew up in this area. And now I live in New York City. And this is like not the Worcester I remember. Like especially this area, just, I don't know, as a kid when it was like that, the decrepit like um, fashion outlets. Yeah. Like right across the street, everything was falling apart. I always think of the fashion outlets. They modeled it after a shopping mall in Milan and assumed that, well, because this high fashion marketplace worked in Milan, of course it'll work in Worcester. And they had Judith Light. What what show is she from? Who's the boss? Yeah, who's the boss? Who's the boss? Transparent. 
She's a legend of Broadway. So they had her come in and sign all of these autographs and help with the grand opening. She was on billboards all over the city. But I have these memories of her from like 1994 launching the fashion outlets. I was definitely too young for the launch of it, but I used to go. It's weird because I used to go with my mom a lot, like when we lived in Worcester. And I loved that parking garage. It was a, wasn't it like the biggest parking garage like in in the world? <laughs> well, okay. So I read this on the internet. I, you know, so it I'm sure it was a very reputable source. Yeah. But this was one of the first articles that I had ever written. I was talking about like the new Worcester, and at the time, I was writing for a blog called um, Worcester Love. Yeah, it was one of my first writing jobs. And I stumbled across this information that, like, it was the largest parking garage in the world. Yeah. I just really enjoyed, like, going down the the exit ramp. It was, like, a really long exit ramp. It felt like, to a kid, it was like a ride. But one thing about the fashion outlets, even as a child, that I realized, like, we would walk around. And even then, I knew that the stores were, like, weird knockoff versions of the real stores that I went to at other malls. Oh, totally. Right? It was strange. Yeah, well, it's like going to a J. Crew outlet. Right, but I I just remember being, like... I was, like, also a vigilante child, and they would just drop us off. And, like, <laughs> our parents would just drop us off at the fashion outlets and leave us all day. So I remember having contests to run up the escalator that was going down and, like, my friend Mary falling and just cutting herself all up. And we were like, what are we going to do? We're going to be in so much trouble. Yes. But- I wanted to ask you about Chris Brown. He was in the news this week, and it came on my radar because I follow Joyner Lucas, who's from Worcester, and he's been around a lot. My fiancé ran into him at City Hall recently and was, like, taking selfies. He's here all the time, which is really cool. And he's a Grammy-nominated artist. Which is also South High graduate. Yeah. I have a picture of him, like, from an event that we were at a a couple years ago. Um, on the common that was like boxing. It was like, yes. it was like oh, that was the first time I met boxers. him. I had yeah. no idea who he was. Right. And, and everyone was like, oh, yeah, he's like, and he was just walking around talking to people and talking to kids. So it was crazy. So, okay. I saw Joyner Lucas coming to the defense of Chris Brown. Yeah. And that concerned me. He said, there's no way that Chris Brown could have raped somebody. He's such a talented artist. He could get a woman in any city. Why would he have to take it from someone? So this morning, I wanted to talk about this with you. And I went on his Instagram to see if it was still there so that yeah. we could reflect. And it was gone. He had replaced it with a post of he and Chris Brown in a video of them at a middle school talent show. Right. So like a less... Yeah, it was like showing support, but it didn't right. say this man couldn't have possibly raped right. anyone. And I think that tends to be what happens, right? It's like people come out all like everyone comes out in support of something and then it like loops back around on them. And then they're like, Ugh. like Justin Bieber was like voiced his support for him. So and that's the thing, though, is like and that's what's happening now is that we have all these people who are accused of different things. And from like Louis C.K. and Chris Hardwick had the same type of thing where then you know, it's someone you're friends with. And so you come to their defense and you say, they could never do this because you know them in the context of being their friend. Yeah, it's very difficult. And we had talked about R. Kelly a couple weeks ago and how, like, we had John Legend as one of the only really prominent, you know, male artist voices who came out and said, or came out and was like, this guy. This is not okay. It's not okay, right. And so that's a big conversation that's happening right now is like, Yes, someone could be your friend, but also, like, 
this stuff happens and people do bad things. So, but yeah, Chris Brown, the thing that I found interesting is that he said, like, he, how could you not like trust, like believe in him? Because I, I just looked and I said to Sarah, like, let's do a little run through of like some of his legal issues. Cause I remembered a bunch of them off the top of my head and it's, so much more than I even re- than I even realized. Like it goes on and on. It's like 2009 was the original incident with Rihanna that we remember the night. Was it the Grammys on the way to the Grammys or something? Um, when he had like you know thrust her head against the window shield, and then from there it escalated. Where like in 2012 he got in a fight with Drake, and then in 2013 he was in an altercation with Frank Ocean, where that may have been charged by like hate. What you know, because Frank Ocean is a queer person, um, and Chris Brown has had a history of that type of stuff too. So that's 2013, and then we're still so this the the next few are all in the same year. So it was like the 2013 Frank Ocean fight where Frank Ocean declined to press charges. He then had his probation probation revoked because he had a hit and run that he was a mem- a part of. He then was charged with felony assault because he wouldn't take a photo with some guys, and then I guess that turned into a fight. He went to rehab voluntarily, got kicked out for not following their internal, you know, internal guidelines. And then he went, he was sentenced to 365 days in jail, had already served 234. So because of overcrowding, didn't have to serve that. And that was again for probationary. He didn't follow his probation again. Yeah. Yes. Violations. Thank you. In 2016. So that was all in 2013. In 2016, he threw, he had police come to his house in Los Angeles because he had them called because a woman was like, Chris Brown is threatening me with a gun in his home. So like he's a history of assault against women and just in general. And then in 2017, Karachi Tran, who was his ex-girlfriend, got a restraining order against him, granted. And then 2018, he was charged with battery. And then we come to our most recent one. And so I just think it's it's one thing if it's someone who doesn't have a background in this and it's a surprise and you say, oh, how could you think this? But it's another thing when it's Chris Brown who has an extensive history of documented assault Offense. charges and offenses. Well, repeat offenders, I have no patience for. And the most horrifying thing is when I think about Rihanna as a victim of his who has been so psychologically and emotionally yeah. manipulated. And they got back together. Yeah, it said she came out with a statement, or no, it was just cl- sources close to Rihanna say she feels horrible about the latest Chris Brown rape allegations. She feels like it is hard not to pass judgment, but she has to wait. She hopes the truth will come out. Those are the words of yeah. a woman who right. has been, I know there's a psychological term for brainwashed, but you know, like she, yeah. it's yeah. delusional. And like they got, they did get back together after that initial thing and then broke up again before he, he got together with Karachi Tran. And she's someone who's really like, who really speaks her mind and who's very well known as like a, a symbol of female empowerment currently, especially in the music industry. She refused to play the Super Bowl. Because she stood in solidarity with Colin Kaepernick. Like, she's very vocal about a lot of issues. And then it's, it is, it's hard to see feeling like that's how she has to react to something. Now, they had a hard time recruiting people for the Super Bowl this year, right? Yes. Do we know who has agreed to play? So, Maroon 5 is the band. And then I guess Travis Scott said that he would do it. And then a bunch of people, someone, I can't remember who came out and was like, Travis Scott is like not for the, the cause 
because people like Rihanna, it was Rihanna and I think Cardi B had both said, they both refused because Cardi has that song with Maroon 5. And they were like, no, I have no interest in participating in an, L- an NFL event, basically. Can you give me just a brief synopsis of what happened with Colin Kaepernick? I can. <laughs> um, Colin Kaepernick was a quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. He led them to a Super Bowl as the backup quarterback for Alex Smith. Um, he's talented. Uh, basically what happened was after it was, you know, a series of like Trayvon Martin shooting. And then as more and more black men had been killed by police in the United States with basically impunity, it became more obvious to him or he viewed it as something that no one was or people publicly weren't standing up to a lot in when they had platforms like he, he did as an NFL quarterback. He started kneeling during the national anthem at NFL games, not as an affront to the United States or the military or anything like that, but just to just because he felt that the United States didn't have the backs of black people who had been killed by like unarmed black people who had been killed by police. And that's all it was a statement about. And then what happened was he eventually got dropped by his teams. He can't get signed. He's now gone to the NFL. He's now gone and accused the NFL of collusion officially, like in a court of law. Um, And that includes NFL teams. And what that means is that teams were basically talking to each other about refusing to sign him. Um, And we have quarterbacks who are playing now who are awful (laughs) and who throw an interception every three plays. And then Colin Kaepernick, who can't get a job. And he he still he does a lot for different communities. He's he donates all this money. Nike came out and he's like the face of Nike now with that which with that tagline. Like if you you know if you don't stand up for something, um, it was about the sack basically. The yeah, sacrifices. I thought that was very admirable as a brand. Yeah. Oh yeah, and they had I, th- I guess they'd been sitting on it for a time. They had had they had signed him like two years ago, and they'd been sitting on that for a long time. Um, and a lot of it is altruistic and charitable and he's an activist but so rihanna and cardi b and these other artists said you know i don't want to be a part of this because of that yeah so in terms of nominations for the oscars what can you tell me about that they it's it's been a really interesting reflection especially this year of so i have followed the oscars very closely since i was kid but really I got really into when I was a teenager and the idea of like how you can prognosticate and predict who's going to be nominated for what Um, and a lot of times they fall into patterns where you can see certain movies or certain actors or directors are going to get nominations and stuff like that and this year was very interesting to me because it was a real reflection in the past like two or three years they've made a real effort the academy to change the demographics of who they are because for years and years there were critiques that were basically like every film that's nominated has all white casts or has is directed or directed and written by men and those are the people who get the nominations and so there was um a campaign a couple years ago by a twitter user at reign of april and it was called hashtag oscars so white and it was not just about black writers and directors and actors being left out but just people of color and so as basically a reflection of that the academy over the past like three or so years has made a real effort to jump in and say like, here's who we're inviting this year. And it's hundreds of people who are younger and just of different backgrounds and not like the 80 year old white men who had been voting for years and years on all these movies. So this year was a real reflection of that. And it was fascinating because I think people expected 
the whole thing to be all just like a star is born. Green Book has been a big one too. But then we had some real surprises. Like, so Roma is not necessarily a surprise. It's directed by Alfonso Cuaron, who is an Academy Award winner for Best Director and who's highly regarded as one of the best directors working. But it's a Mexican film and it's all in Spanish. And it's black and white. Like, it's, you know, it's a little different. And Roma ended up walking away with most of the nominations and not just for the ones that people expected, though. It got a nomination for Best Supporting Actress, which, like, was very surprising. People right, didn't. that's the mother, right? What's that? The mother was nominated, and yep. she didn't get any other nominations, yeah. so it was, like, really outside the box for the Oscar. Absolutely, yeah. Marina de Tavira is her name. Um, right, so that was a really big deal. I guess she was studying to become a teacher when she was cast, too. Which so. is awesome, yeah. Um, Yalitza Aparicio, I think people knew was going to get nominated. She'd won a lot of awards. She's the star of the movie. But, yeah, so just different stuff like that where big surprises came out. Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? She was nominated for Bridesmaids. And then in this case, I think the movie had gotten great reviews. Richard E. Grant had been nominated over and over for Best Supporting Actor. I don't know anything actor. about that movie. Can you give me the elevator pitch? I don't know. So it's about... Is it a comedy? A writer. It's a very dark comedy. It's, it's about a writer? It's the true story oh, of a writer God, who I love writing fabricated, movies. fabricated like, like entire things, entire stories, and her best friend, um, who Richard E. Grant plays. Yeah. And she's writing nonfiction about things that she made up? I think basically. And it's directed by Mariel Heller. So it's that is another one directed by a woman. Um, and she had directed The Diary of a Teenage Girl, which came out a couple years ago, and which also got great reviews. So yeah, it's just, it's really interesting to see those things kind of pop up. I know this is the first time that Spike Lee has been nominated for Best Director. And one of his films has been nominated for Best Picture years and years. You know, he's been working for 30 years. And I saw you put together a very tactful post that was uh, applauding his nomination. Yeah, I mean, it was exciting because and it is almost like it's almost 30 years exactly since. So what happened in 1990 was that in 1989, Driving Miss Daisy and um, Do the Right Thing both came out and Do the Right Thing was seen as really like a revolutionary film. And it, you know, it spoke truth to power and. Driving Miss Daisy was a very feel-good story about a black man and a white woman getting along. And it's very similar to Green Book, actually, which is funny. But what happened was Driving Miss Daisy not only ended up getting nominated for all these Oscars, but it ended up winning Best Picture. Do the Right Thing was nominated for Best Original Screenplay, but that was basically it. It was sort of shut out. I think Danny Aiello was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and he's one of the white actors in the movie. And his performance is great, but I think people kind of saw that as like... Right. Where's the sense of equity? Um, And at the Oscars that year, Kim Basinger was presenting about was presenting a different film um, as one of the best fiction nominations. And she made a small speech before she presented and said, you know, I think we're here to tell the truth in these stories. And that's what makes these movies so great. And basically chastised the Academy for leaving Do the Right Thing out and was like it. Maybe it was too truthful for you. She had a little attitude about it. It was kind of cool. But. Finally, after years and years and years and years. I'm just imagining Kanye with his, <laughs> what did he say to Taylor Swift? Um, I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce, Beyonce made one of the best music videos <laughs> of all time. And then the best part was like he said of all time and then he did a dramatic pause and then was like, of all time. He said it again. <laughs> yeah. We did after you and I went out with uh, John Evans, who is a really neat 
vintage clothing kind of consigner. Like he yeah. sells a lot of his stuff online and he does all this old MBA stuff. And I don't know, you would like it. It's called uh, Allergic to Cubicles. Yes. But he I loves. That. I know that the close study of Kanye yeah. and he said he even had a blog for a while and what did he write the miseducation of Kanye yes. West so that right. night we drove out to Honest Way Brewery and we listened to college yeah wait college yes. dropout well through college the wires yeah I'm a late registration for like the early set so it's like he kind of is viewed in phases Kanye it's like the early set where it's like college dropout late registration graduation which is like all the bears and it's it's sort of it all correlates and then Beyond that, it's he he's seen it, you know, like a, a lot of artists, they go in phases like that. He really is fascinating to study, like outside of just his outspokenness and his sort of kooky persona. It, does, it builds the through the wire. Through the wire, yeah. As an artist, he's really fascinating in his evolution, like in the sound of his music and the content is really interesting. Which is why the contrast that he's creating right now, where he seems to be a staunch Trump supporter just flies in the face of the statements that he had made, even, you know, in usurping my girl Taylor Swift and her moment of joy. Yeah. Yeah. Can you describe the relationship between Kanye and Trump? Makes me so sad. I mean, so I guess what I try. So honestly, because I it makes me really upset, I try to turn it off a little bit. It makes me really sad. Um, the Kanye and Trump thing. And it gives me a lot of cognitive dissonance because I still have like a very, very soft spot in my heart for Kanye because his art and his work affected me really deeply from the ages of like 15 or 16 to 20, what, you know, whenever Yeezus, 23, whenever Yeezus came out, that was kind of the last, his last great hurrah for me personally. So it is interesting. And I, I just think that, I think that he sees Trump, he, he, he exhibits a lot of, you know, narcissistic, qualities I don't want to be an armchair psychologist but I think that he sees in Trump a lot of himself where it's just like say whatever you want anytime and instead of viewing that as like dangerous to society like a lot of other folks do because he is the president Kanye sees that as like a personal freedom is the is sort of what I my interpretation he sees that as an as personal expression and you know live and let live when it's the case that it's a lot more complicated than that, because as the president of the United States, that's not really how it works. You know? Yeah. That's a basic, that is my, that's more my interpretation of it. But I think that is a lot of people's kind of view of it. The last serious thing that I wanted to just mention was we're in the final week of Betsy DeVos's proposal uh, for title nine. You can make a public comment And the proposal will make it so that schools would only have to investigate the most extreme forms of harassment. They can ignore any sort of sexual violence that occurs between students outside of a school program and off campus. The schools are, they're going to create a more courtroom-like environment for the Title IX process. And a lot of times it seems as if people choose Title IX because maybe they want their rapist off campus so that they can continue their education, but they don't necessarily want that person incarcerated and they don't want to go through the criminal justice system where victims are often put on trial themselves. Absolutely. And now we're kind of bringing that sense where the person who will be encouraged to have legal representation who can't afford a lawyer is put in an unjust position as well. This new reform would require schools to use live cross-examination. So I guess what I'm saying is you have an opportunity to voice your opinion 
And all the colleges in Worcester have an opportunity this week to voice their opinions to the government and say, we will stand for this or we will stand against Betsy DeVos's recommendations. How can we do that, Sarah? My favorite site to link to the comment form is Know Your Nine, and it'll also give you a great overview of the law, why it exists, because, because I think a lot of people, when they think Title IX, think about female athletes. Yes, and which that's, it is a big part of that. That's a big part of it, but it's more about providing women with actual with equal access to education, and that includes preventing any sort of sexual misconduct on college campuses. Yep, and you mentioned... Um, having like someone's rapist or assaulter off campus and not necessarily incarcerated. And I think a lot, what a lot of people think is, oh, you're going to ruin this guy's life or whatever, or whoever is the perpetrator. But it's also trying to keep other people safe. Exactly. It's a lot because the way that women think is like we, you know, we think, you know, internalize and we personalize things. But we also we also have like a tribe mentality in a way where we constantly are thinking about like, helping other women and make, making sure that other women are safe. On the um, sexual assault on the Hill, Instagram. And this is an Instagram account founded in November by a group of Holy Cross community members. And it reports anonymously stories of rape and sexual assault that have happened in relation to the College of the Holy Cross. And the college has acknowledged the account. This week, though, it was disappointing for the moderators, they had passed along a letter to Father Burroughs. They had survivors hand deliver the letter of demands to Father Burroughs, and they asked for a point-by-point response by this past week. And, and this was the week that students came back to campus from winter break. And what they got was a really form letter. Yeah. And they were insulted by that, yeah, which absolutely. makes sense to me. Yeah. And you guys can't see, but Sarah keeps bringing things up and I keep making faces. <laughs> I'm like, bleh. But I wrote a news story this week. I'm typically the food and culture reporter, but I have been working on a news story for Worcester Magazine. And this week it talks about one particular case where a dean was demoted and he was still left to serve as a professor on campus. Yeah. Uh, He's on leave this semester, but the story of sexual harassment is detailed in the article. You can find it on Worcester Magazine's website. It's a a tough read in a lot of ways. One of the um, women who dealt with this particular professor, you know, ended her college career on a very sour note. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was really, it can be like traced directly to that. And it's funny because when you were saying that sometimes women are hesitant to tell their stories or impact their um, the offenders, or I guess I'm learning all the language. They call him the responding party. Right. So to impact the life of the responding party, who's a well-respected professor. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, we printed his name in Worcester Magazine. It's Christopher Dustin, and he was a member of the philosophy department. He's the dean of the faculty. And I think the source probably had some some struggles in coming forward with the story, but saw that it could impact not just future victims, but also past survivors. If there had been other cases, she wanted to give women the voice to come out and say, that happened to me too. Me too. That's the, but that's like, that's the whole impetus is like the me too. I, the idea of bringing everyone with you um, and giving them a voice. And a lot of the people who have posted anonymously on there have said that they either like regret not reporting or, that they wish they had. And part of that was because they're like, they say, I think about the other people that you might have hurt. 
or that you might have raped or you might have assaulted. And that's why they have regrets. Yeah. Yeah. So it's important that we all find our voice. That's why we started this podcast to elevate women's voices. And you can find us on Instagram at Poppet Worcester. Yes, and Twitter at Poppet Worcester as well. And actually, I was surprised the article on Worcester Magazine about that Title IX case links to our Twitter account. It does? Yeah. It, they, on my byline, I said, oh, I wonder where this link goes. And I clicked on it and it brought me to Poppet Worcester's Twitter account. Wow. Yes. That is cool. I think it's good to align ourselves with feminist interests. Oh, yeah. And we're really proud of that. Me, yeah, well, I was the same, me too. And then I was like, Sarah said we. <laughs> we both are, yes. <laughs> well, I have been Sarah. I have been Molly. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Make sure you follow Talim and Dana yes. on their Instagram accounts. Uh, Dana is at eats to know with the, the number two. Mm-hmm. And Talim is the half full mug. Yes. So next week, you can expect some wise words from the women of Whiskey, who will be joining us at Shimjung for a a book launch. Yes, we're very excited. Also, Linda Cavioli, who's the executive director of the YWCA in Worcester and a champion for women. Rate, review, subscribe, and vibe.